0: When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to
1: figure out what it means to love God and people well. Hey folks, welcome back to Unbetween. We took a little bit longer of a break than we meant to, but real life happens, yada, yada, yada. You know the drill there, I'm sure it's the same for you. This conversation is centered around the idea of how we're supposed to think about ourselves. There are a lot of conversations happening in our culture right now that are telling us from from all different sides of all different issues that our own perspective, our own experience, our own truth for that matter is what should define how we live our lives. And what we want to explore is that maybe that what's best for us is not where our hearts and minds should be focused. Maybe there's more to it than that. Here we go. So both of us have, have seen, since, since we last kind of sat down and turned the mics on, there's a bunch of stuff that we've seen happening in our culture. We live in the U.S., and I think most of our listeners do, too. And on kind of both sides of the spectrum of political and theological and spiritual thought, there, there's just been a lot happening there's kind of been mm-hmm. a lot of events, big, kind of big, sh- not even necessarily shifts, but there's kind of been been a lot of big moments lately that have kind of occupied yeah. our attention. And there's a lot of conversation around. So, so for example, there's a lot of conversation around gender and gender fluidity and and sexuality. There's a lot of conversation around um, nas- Christian nationalism and um, kind of political religion. There's Mm -hmm. been a lot of conversation around uh, abuse, sexual and otherwise, in the church and in society. Um, There's just an awful lot going on, and it seems like so many of the conversations that come down to perception versus reality and your kind of emotional experience— and how that looks and affects people, based on, or in, as opposed to the the truth of Scripture and the and the uh, truth of God's way of living, I guess if I can put it that way. So, I don't even know where that gets us necessarily. But that, that's <laughs> these things are what we've been th- thinking about, and probably a lot of you have too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and and it just becomes even tougher to live in a place where truth is so subjective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. And what's true today is not true tomorrow, or it's true for this group, but not for this group. And it's like, well, that, that's not truth at all then.
1: Something I've been very bothered by the last couple of weeks is is part of a pol- political discussion. We're not a political podcast, as we continue to say, so we am going to kind of keep it 30,000 feet, because I think if you <laughs> zoom in much closer, that can <laughs> defeat the purpose of this kind of conversation, sometimes. Anyway... I've seen a lot of furor from people who will say, well, look at this person on this political spectrum. That's that's not the one that I'm on. Look at their corruption. Look at their lack of honesty. Look at this. And they may be completely correct, but it's but a lot of times it's like, dude, look at the guy you voted for Mm -hmm. (laughs) or look at the son of the guy that you voted for, whatever it is. And it, it just seems like. It is very subjective and that, like, man, if you apply that same principle, and you may be completely correct about what you're saying about this person, and and that's not good if they did or said those things. But are you willing to apply that same yardstick to the person from your tribe? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like we are, whether that's spiritual or political or whatever. It's like uh, there's an awful lot of planks in our eyes, it seems like.
0: Yeah, and the only reason they're using it is to justify their actions in most cases. You know, I, I think yeah. about my kids. I cannot count the number of times I hear in a given week, well, well, he did it, well, she <laughs> yep. did it, well, sure, yep. but it's still wrong. Yeah, Like, you should have seen that and said, hey, it's probably not a good idea because mm. I've been told yeah. it's not because I know what could happen. But instead, well, they did it, so it's okay. If he got away with it, I get to. Yeah,
1: yeah. You it, know? It's, it's almost like, um, not almost like it is like, if you are really that, bothered or even grieved by that thing that that person said or did, that should motivate you to make sure your own house is spotless, either Mm. either in the literal sense or whatever um, thought movement or denomination or theological camp or political. That should really motivate you to clean your own house, I feel like.
0: Yeah. Rather than this, let's see how much more we can get away with. Yeah. If they got away with this much, let's push it a little further, or, mm-hmm. or maybe just stay right under that so we're not, you know, as bad.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's all this moral posturing that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with truth.
1: No, because it, well, if, if you can morally posture, it takes the attention off you and your own actions mm-hmm. and choices and thoughts and words, I think. And that's, that's attractive because we, I don't think any of us like the scrutiny of who who are you really, and what are mm-hmm. you really doing, and do your life does your life line up with the person that you present yourself to be?
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's even goodness a whole other okay. conversation that we've even had before. You know, but a lot of us just aren't willing to admit what the Bible clearly says about us. You know, mm-hmm. um, now that it, that doesn't have to remain true of us in Christ, right? And it's not because of how great we are; it's because of how great He is, but. Yeah, I mean there's just so many things that that we ignore when we're not even willing to admit the truth that we're
1: sinful beings. Mhm. So, one of the things that led to this conversation was another conversation we were having about subjectivity and truth. And mm-hmm. that that is a big uh that is a big challenge for followers of Jesus in our culture right now is that tr- truth is quite subjective. And that the C- currently or like it's the, framed the, as subjective yes right. the, 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 yeah. there's a current thread of thought in our culture that says that basically your personal experience your thoughts your feelings your inclination your self-conception determines what your truth is and it should be celebrated as such and that it it seems self-defeating to me because <laughs> without uh I feel like it's it's a problem if there isn't a transcendent absolute that we can appeal to. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say and you get into conversations of like, well, who who gets to decide that and this is a free country and all that. And that then leads to more conversations about, well, what was the real intent and what were the real beliefs of the folks who wrote the documents that founded our country and were <laughs> they followers of Jesus in the sense that we would define it? That's a whole other thing. Right. I, th- I, th- I think the point is that um, I remember a number of years ago I used to hear a lot that you can't legislate morality, you can't legislate morality usually that was coming from the left because it was in response to what they perceived as folks on the right trying to set up a theocracy mm-hmm. but now it really seems to have flipped, something I, I, I see I've been seeing and hearing a lot is the list of things that people think are a human right gets longer and longer you know, yeah, like uh and that's a that's a fair conversation to have but but at the same time it's like on what basis are we saying what what are we appealing what moral authority are we appealing to to make the statements that we're, that we're making and it seems like that the functional moral authority is just whatever you decide and that's fine if you live in the woods by yourself but if you want to live in a society with other people who are different from you that just does it it doesn't seem like that can possibly work
0: yeah, well, and, and you even see that. I think that's why it can be tough to even live in community or build relationships that are even within people in your own tribe, so to speak, yeah. because that personal desire, that personal want is always going to outweigh the desire of the group mm-hmm. to get along, right? I mean, you want to do, you want to get yours. You want what's best for you. And, and while some of that can be noble, right? Building a, a, a safe place for your family, caring for them, spending time with them, There's other times where it's not as noble. (laughs) I mean, I I, I could give examples of that, but I mean, you know, when you're looking to satisfy yourself and your own desires and your want and and posture yourself above, then of course it's not going to have the same effect as when your desire is to help build a greater community.
1: Yeah. Another way it shows up is that thing of like, well, that's your interpretation (laughs) when it comes to scripture or like, you know, I, I don't, I don't answer to anybody but Christ. The mm-hmm. stuff that sounds good and sounds reasonable, and we all, I think, do and say those things in in one way or another. But again, if you stop and think about it, it's like, wait a minute, this dude said I was supposed to die to myself mm-hmm. and and empty myself and bear the burdens of others and be the last in the race and all these things. The yeah, these things that we're saying do not do not at least to some degree line up with that call to die to self. I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's probably one of the largest progr- programs, problems. I think that's probably one of the largest problems in Christianity is, is the desire to identify with that, but also the desire to build ourselves up more than the name of Christ or to follow our own agendas rather than wherever Christ, you know, God asks us to go and follow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an issue. You know, I mean, that that is the... Prime example of serving two masters is trying to serve your own worldly flesh while at the same time following Christ. You can't do that.
1: Yeah. You build a statue of God that looks like you and then say, this brought you out of Egypt. Yep. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's dangerous. Go have a cup of coffee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... and I feel like it's easy to take this twelve different ways, and I feel like I say that every every episode too. Mm-hmm. But I I think it's scary that we look so much at ourselves, and then are surprised when things turn out the way they do. You know, <laughs> I, I know, I know we've we've talked a little bit about kind of what Taylor and I've gone through in church, and we, you know, we've been studying Judges, and our pastor's been teaching through the whole book, and uh, you know, for the last, I don't know, year, maybe more. And it's, it's been great, but you know, you see this spiral of doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting something different, right? And we've all heard the, the phrase that that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing and expecting different results. But it truly is mind boggling that we would see what's going on, look to ourselves to fix it, to government, to, you know, pastors, to whoever. And then, be surprised when it doesn't turn out very well.
1: Yeah. Look to ourselves to fix it, I think, is a great way of summing that up. And isn't there
0: something about, like, lean not on your own understanding? Isn't that written somewhere? No, that's not in there. (laughs) (laughs) But we continuously do that and expect what we do to deliver us from
1: whatever. A lot of the things we've been seeing in the news— it's. It seems that we're so concerned with holding on to control, you know, and coming up with all these perfectly, quote, logical reasons why we shouldn't repent, that we shouldn't be vulnerable, that we shouldn't be honest, that we shouldn't be accountable. And, you know, so much of it sounds so good and it sounds so empowering and it sounds, you know, but... I've heard a lot people talking a lot lately about celebrate yourself as well, and that comes from a certain thought tribe. But you know, you hear it from the other side too. Of like, we've got a um, my thoughts are all over the place right now. I remember uh, I was I had to travel a lot for work the last couple of weeks, and I was driving through a a small town, and there was a there was a marquee out in front of a bank. You know, like they put letters up for messages, and the phrase was, "I thought of you when I read this because I thought we got to talk about this at some point." And it said, "Banking the way it used to be," hmm. and I, I thought, "I wonder what that means." Not and in contrast to banking the way it should be, whatever that means. I and, and I don't yeah. even know what the, I don't even know what the difference. I don't know how they used to bank. <laughs> you know, has banking <laughs> so, fundamentally changed? I don't know. <laughs> but but it's just that thing of, like, uh, you have this concept in your head of the way things are supposed to be, and that is the script that you live by. <laughs> and are we, as followers of Christ, slowing down and being like, does this script look more like me, or does it look more like Christ? And because the the scripts that the world is living by, that that's all about me. That's all about I. Right. You know? Yeah. And— I think that's the fundamental challenge to the church in our cultural moment right now is, are we going to be willing to say, I, I can't live by my own script, even if that means I don't get to celebrate myself, even if that means I open myself up to some pretty brutal accountability and scrutiny? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of the name of the game, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. and And I think there's also kind of, along with that, A lot of things that are done because it's how it used to be done or Mm -hmm. because of, well, you know, mom and dad used to say this, so I'm going to use this term. And I think there's a lot of words used that are often misunderstood. And I I thought about that because you used the word uh, I'm thinking of a little bit ago. And it hit me this week. I was having lunch with a friend of mine on uh, Goodness Monday, I guess. And we were talking through just what's going on in the world. And he just mentioned the word repent. And he said, you know, I... It doesn't mean you just say sorry. Like it is turning away from. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who that's completely lost on them. Now I've heard this word a lot in church, so if someone asks me what it means to follow Christ, I'm going to use it. You know, it's going to be part of my ABCs or whatever. But I really don't understand what it means to truly turn from
1: mm-hmm.
0: from those things into Christ to to put the you know pick up my cross daily. To
1: and that word in Hebrew is shuv, and it literally means to stop going the direction you're going, like literally stop walking, turn around and walk in the other direction. That's a pretty big change of pace. It is. (laughs) Pretty big. Yeah. And
0: I I think even within the church, there is a large disinterest in what it really means to follow Christ. Hmm. I think we want our institutions. I think we want people around us that can encourage us when we need it. I don't know that we necessarily like the
1: accountability when we need it. There's a difference uh, between encourage and exhort. I just want to yeah, throw that out there. Please that's continue.
0: true. Please continue. That's true. It's very true. Uh, I think, you know, I, I see it a lot with people with kids, you know. This will keep my kid from doing XYZ, which is not true. But <laughs> I, I think we we come to this place, and, and I say we— uh, I know it's not the same for every church, every person, but there are a whole lot of people sitting in pews, not the people sit in pews anymore, in chairs, in, uh, in church on Sunday and in Sunday schools that are there for reasons that are not to, to be spurred on, to encourage, to follow Christ. Um, now, not that there can't be good things that come out of that, but that's... I don't know. I don't know fully where I'm going with that, but that's kind of a scary thing. You know, when we're trying to sit here and figure out ways to follow Christ in a world that's broken, and and most people are utterly disinterested in what that
1: truly means. It's, it's, y'all, you, those of you listening may notice that this conversation is kind of all over the place because so are our thoughts, (laughs) honestly. Um, It's hard to know. There's so much going on to respond to, and there's so many. Lies in every direction you look that are being lived both within the church and and outside of it that it's 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 hard to keep your head sometimes, and the things that you once trusted in the institutions, the people are now no longer trustworthy and um we had our our last conversation a lot of it was about trust, thinking back mm-hmm. and reflecting on it is that we and and trust doesn't mean like blind obedience. Either or or like blind acquiescence—that's different. Trust is a is a knowing, like a a knowledge of of safety, I guess, but not the kind of safety that leaves you as you are. It's that um, C.S. Lewis did did a really good job in the in the Chronicles of Narnia with the analogy of Aslan is not a tame lion. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a song riffing on that by a band we both like, Gable Price and Friends. That you're a good God. Or excuse me, you're a good, good God, but good God, you are not safe. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and the the uncomfortable reality of a God that is not safe is that it is not safe for you to continue to be exactly who you want to be and pursue the things that make you comfortable and happy and sheltered and secure, because there's an awful lot in me, I've come to learn, that needs to be burned out and thrown away so mm-hmm. that I can be the best version of myself. It's kind of counterintuitive, but the... Um the assumption that you at any point that you're good and that you don't need to continue to progress or that um or that there aren't things in you that need to be sharpened and shaped and pointed in a different direction uh, like that's i think that's i think that's really damaging
0: yeah well and 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 we live in a world that's more interested in people following us than than following. Mm -hmm. you know, than being a follower and and we're called to be a follower of Christ. It's, so it's not so much about the best version of myself. If that version of myself is not being used for, for the purposes I'm here. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, there's just such this fascination with being in in our social media crazed day and age, like uh, of being an influencer or a leader, or the number of people who call themselves leaders is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't, I don't know that there are any followers for the amount of leaders that we have nowadays. Uh, you know, Maybe one, their dog or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get on a soapbox, so I'm not careful. But I think kind of back to the point, the way some of this ties together, it, it is kind of all over the place. But you've, you've kind of got to think back. There was a time when we looked at the church as being the place where truth was still rooted, hmm. even though there was this subjectivity going on. And now that subjectivity is right in the middle of the church. Yeah. And, and there's churches in this you know country, and, and in other countries, I'm sure that uh I'm not really sure what they're 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 following, yeah um,
1: and it's that thing of like trying to recapture a world that honestly never was, or trying to build a world that's never going to be. In the sense that, like, I, I see some people are trying to hold on to this idealized past of, like, if we just mm-hmm. get back to these values, if we can just turn our country around, if we can just get these people in power, then—and it's the same thing that Israel was doing. It's the same reason that, like, the zealots were doing, is that they were so yeah. convinced, if if we can just do what our forefathers did wrong, then God will bless us and we will return to, you know, the, the days of yore. And God's all like, y'all, the, the ship has sailed on that. We're doing a different thing now. And and conversely, there's some folks who want to build the kingdom of God in the here and now. And like, if we can just get educated on this stuff, if we can just lose these superstitions and this old way of doing things, and if we can just get, like, it's Gnosticism, really. If we can just get the right knowledge in operation, then we can build the kingdom of God in the here and now. And God's like, no, that ain't it either. (laughs) Like, there's going to be you know, my spirit, you have the spirit of God in the mind of Christ and you can be a little slice of the kingdom wherever you are, but that thing is not coming until I come back. And so we're we're stuck in this middle ground, aren't we? <laughs> that we're always talking about. And the yeah, reality is that nobody likes that. Nobody likes the uncertainty of, of those things. We want, we want the subjective because then we can be comfortable we can build something that we don't have to question, that we don't have to wrestle with. And I think the subjective, you're right, it makes us
0: feel a little more comfortable. Maybe it makes us feel like we're not as bad as we <laughs> we are. And, I, and mm-hmm. I hate to keep harping on the, the or bad thing. I, I just think a lot of us are way more comfortable with things in our life that are sin. You know, yeah. I, think, uh, I, th- I think that the most harmful thing to us as a follower of Christ is elevating ourselves. I think it's easy to do, and I see that more and more and more. And even in church, you know, that's been preached on a lot through judges. It, there's this desire to elevate one's own being to the point that it becomes very destructive to themselves, of course, but to everyone around them.
1: That first couple chapters of Romans are really illuminating in mm. this way. And the the whole idea that as it was in the days of Noah. I don't know if this quote is from Romans one or two, but um, they, they did what was right in their own eyes, which is a hyperlink yeah. all the way back to Genesis one and two of the, this is a beautiful design pattern in the original Hebrew, this this riffing on the, uh, God saw that it was good. It's mm-hmm. God who determines what good is. But then the, the humans looked and they saw that the fruit was good mm-hmm. and, and desirable. And then, this thread goes through the rest of the scripture. Like, um, shows up in David's story. David looked and she and he saw that this woman was beautiful and desirable. Uh, it happens in Abraham's story as well. Uh, Do what is right in your own eyes, Sarah says to Abraham, which is uh, which is a massive red flag anytime that <laughs> phrase shows up. But but it's just that thing of um, it's 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 the same thing the enemy did. I will be like the Most High. I will mm-hmm. determine. It is my sight, my vision, my perspective that will be elevated. I think a whole lot of our own vision and sight, don't we? We're willing to say statements like that. Yeah. Celebrate yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's just completely contradictory. I mean, to stay in Romans, you know, one of my favorite passages that I come back to a lot during, um, I'd say during difficult times, but it is a good reminder, you know, now— we should always be very aware of Scripture and who Christ is in good and bad times. But, you know, Romans 5, 3 through 5, you, you come to this point where he's talking about taking joy in suffering hmm. because that's going to produce, you know, perseverance. And that perseverance is going to produce character and that character is going to produce hope. And so, it's, yeah, I made the mistake kinda, of reading that the other day. <laughs> did you? Yeah, it's not comforting necessarily, no, not. but um, but it's a good reminder that it's not about what I want and that even if I'm going through something that's quite difficult or or crappy, you know, that there's a reason for it. And God's going to use that to make me who he wants me to be, Mm -hmm. not who I want to be. But it's, it's again, not about what I want to be.
1: There's a lot of talk. um, I I was looking at something today about, you know, freedom is a buzzword right now, no matter what your political or spiritual affiliation is, (laughs) because there are some folks who are so focused on the freedom to do what I want and that shows up that shows up you know on the right as it were and it certainly shows up on the left too and about different things but at the core of it is i want to do what is right in my own eyes how mm-hmm. dare you take that away from me and there is so much clamor about these are my rights you're infringing on and this should be you know the law of the land and we should make sure that people are allowed to do this or allowed to do that and i will not give this up this is fundamental to you know, this is God given. It's like, bruh, you are owed nothing. Yep. Everything that you have, including the breath you're using to yell, is a gift. Mm. How how is it that we have managed to not live inside of that? Uh or in light of that, I should say, that whatever your particular persuasion may be, like you the the source of all life was kind enough. To, to create a world in which you get to exist how how what entitled children have we become that we think that this story is about us, and yeah. that you know on uh, we, we've talked about before that grace doesn't start when Christ shows up in the in the scriptures, it starts on the first page when God invites the humans to be a part of the work that he 's doing, and mm-hmm. then even after they mess up, he continues to provide a way for them and their descendants and their families and Israel and the church now to continue to, be, to have proximity to God. I was listening to a podcast this week uh, going through all of the tabernacle <laughs> descriptions, yeah. and it's, you know, that, that can seem pretty dry on the surface, except when you realize this is God meticulously outlining a way for his people to continue to have proximity to his presence. Yeah. They, he invites them to come up on the mountain, and they're afraid, so they don't go. So he comes down. And lives in their midst. And there are guidelines around that and there are rules around that so that they don't die. But he he built the tabernacle descriptions are it's all Eden language. It's all about like outlining of the cosmos and all this stuff we don't have time to get into. But reminding them the story is not about you, but I want you to be a part of it. Please come mm. closer here. There are some things you need to think about, because just as if you stare directly at the sun, you'll burn out your eyeballs. If you are in proximity to the otherness of God with no buffer, then, you know, then you're, you're going to get burned up, basically. No. And it just, it's, it re-cemented in my mind that I think in every aspect of the church, we're just, we're so unimpressed with the otherness and holiness of God. And so bored of the story of God that we feel like that we have a right to live how we want to live. And we've lost that. You know, yeah. It's something that my favorite passage of scripture is Exodus 34, 6, probably when God tells Moses his name. And now having really soaked in that for a few years and continued to read about it and seen all of the, all of the stuff that's going on there and really meditated on it in the Psalm one way. Now, whenever I read where it's the name of God is mentioned, all of that is front loaded in my brain and it. It makes you humble. And when God tells Moses his name in that passage, it says, and Moses fell to the ground and worshiped. Hmm. But when's the last time, and I'm not talking about an emotional response to a song that you hear necessarily, but when's the last time that we, in whatever way, fell to the ground and worshiped God in response to him? And th- this is kind of what, t- what we're talking about, really, isn't it? It is not its that this is a lack of worship. Yeah. Whether you're talking about the sex abuse scandals in the Southern Baptist Convention or the conversation around gender identity and fluidity and sexuality or around nationalism and racism and all those other things is that there's seems like there's not much willingness to fall to the ground and worship and admit there's one higher than I and I am not him. Yeah.
0: Well, and in so much of this, I think just plays into spiritual maturity i mean Mm -hmm. even as you're talking you know i I flash back kind of like earlier to situations with my kids like you know and i was the same way you look at rules as this thing that it's like oh it's trying to limit what i can do but no sometimes it's there to keep you safe you know Mm -hmm. it's like my kid getting upset that i won't let them walk to the edge of a bluff and throw a rock over as hard as they can it's like well no you will throw yourself off the bluff and that's not good (laughs) so stay back here Mm -hmm. you know throw the rock you know whatever but let's let's try and put in some safeguards to protect the devastation that unknowingly will become of us if we lead ourselves. And and there's so much of that. And and even the the identity, I mean, at what point was are we mature enough to understand that our identity should be in Christ? And and how much of that what is happening today is played out because we're not fully identifying as a follower of Christ. Or not truly understanding that identity. I know we're quick to say certain things, right? And to to label ourselves, but I have to think part of the reason he falls down and prays to God is because he now fully understands who he is mm-hmm. and what his purpose is. And and if if we're truly understanding that, truly understanding that, I would have to think it would invoke the same response.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But. More often than not, we're the folks down in the valley uh, having a festival to a golden calf and having an orgy. <laughs> Well, what about you, Taylor? <laughs> Figuratively yeah, uh, speaking, <laughs>
0: yeah. No, you're you're exactly right. I mean, we we would rather hold on to that tie and and be comfortable with it because we're in the world not of it, right? Mm-hmm. And fully under misunderstanding what that means, and fully putting ourselves in the middle of harm because we're not willing to follow some guidelines put in place for our safety.
1: And, you know? and that, that, that story is really illuminative because um, – so Moses goes up on Sinai for 40 days, and the folks are like, we, we don't know where this dude has gone. So they talk to Aaron, and they say, you know, make some gods for us that we that we can worship. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on there because Aaron is supposed to be the high priest, not Moses. Yeah. And And in the course of those narratives, you see Moses having to do a bunch of high priest stuff because Aaron is not up to the task. Isn't that interesting? The man of God refusing to do the man of God stuff. Hmm. So he's there. He, he makes the calf for him. And there's, there's some interesting stuff going on in terms of like linguistics and scholarly junk that I only partially <laughs> understand. But uh, th- there's some scholars who think that when they make the golden calf, they're not making another God. They're actually making an image of the God of Israel. That's what they thought that they were doing because they'd been in Egypt so long that they mm-hmm. didn't know any better despite the whole Ten Commandments thing just happening, but never mind. But that they they worship in the ways that Egypt does. They make a graven image, and they have a big feast, and then they get up to play is the way that it yeah. gets translated yeah. a lot. But that that's what that means. They all go cavorting around.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: how much of our – does that sound familiar to you yeah. that like – well, our intentions a lot of the time are that we want to worship God, or at least that's what we want to tell ourselves. But then the ways that we choose to do it look an awful lot like Egypt, mm-hmm. more so than they look like what's happening up on the mountain, at the top of the mountain. Yeah. It shouldn't be that shocking. You know, when you look at it, it's the same thing that's happened,
0: even as we read through the Bible. It shouldn't be that shocking that we're, we're here again, right? Hmm. Um, it's tough in a community of, of what I feel I have some people around me. <clears throat> I'm not like gonna say like a huge number, but I have some people around me who are very level headed and know the Bible. And that some of this stuff still is just such an issue. And 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 not that I don't have hang ups. Like I you know, I'm not sitting here Taylor nor I are trying to say we've got it all figured out, so we're just gonna do this podcast and tell y'all that's that's not what this is. It's more about us not knowing how to handle situations that we see in this middle ground and and part of my struggle with what i see is that the truth laid bare in the bible uh and, and i know some people say well there's a lot of stuff in the bible that yes but there's a lot of things in the bible there's history there's there's poetry there's you know parable there there's a whole lot of things so let's not get this confused but but there is very blatant truth laid out in the bible that is just completely ignored and to see that seeping into the the church uh and, and it's it's scary to look at where it is right i mean I, I fortunately I go to a Bible believing church where the Bible is taught very well. Um, you know, and I Taylor and I were laughing, you know, this this past Sunday, our pastor stood up and said, When he stops preaching just the Bible and what the Bible is, get rid of him, essentially is what he said. I, I don't even know if he said it that eloquently. He was pretty like, just get get me out of here. Um write up the papers and I'll sign it on the spot, but, but, but even it's, that,
1: no, yeah. sorry, F- finish your thought. No, no, no,
0: it's, no, it's just, it's tough to see that and then still hear things and see things and, and see churches. It's primarily, you know, a lot of it that I see is churches on TV being televised in people's homes where there's just stuff coming out. That's so far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, what Bible are you reading? Well, that, you know? that,
1: and that's, that's what I was going to say is that we don't actually know how to read the Bible. This is something I bash on about a lot that I didn't know until I was in my 30s, basically, that we, mm. we either go to it as – I'm going to digress here because I think it's necessary. Do it. Um, there, there's a few different ways that we tend to approach it. It's, one way is that it's like a it, – it's the book that you read to know what rules you need to follow to go to the good place when you die. <laughs> or so that God doesn't zap you while you're alive. And that's real. Like that, I interacted with that way of reading the Bible a lot in my life, and especially as a young person. And that isn't the way it's presented, but boil it down. like That's the way it's taught a lot of the time. Here is the moral instruction you need. Here is what you need to do. Here mm-hmm. are the rules that you need to follow. And they're real good about letting you know when you break one of those rules. So that's the first one. Another one is like, here are here's a compendium of useful inspirational examples of how you should behave you know like and and we zero in on the parts of the bible stories that present the characters making good choices mm-hmm. and we ignore all the other stuff that shows that they're just terrible pieces of crap that god is using despite all that yeah or it's like a theological reference book like here here's where you get all the stuff that you need to believe and mm-hmm. go read it because that's what you're supposed to do. And it, none of, and there's probably more that I'm, I'm not thinking of, or, or it's like, this is nice inspirational literature that you right. read when you need to feel good about your Christianity. And none of those captures the reality of what this, this thing is or how you're supposed to read it. Like you were saying a minute ago, there's narrative and there's poetry and there's satire and there's, yeah. um, there are songs and there's Discourse, and there there are you know ancient Near Eastern law codes, <laughs> and yeah. all this other stuff, and, and taken as a whole, which which I think is part of the problem, is that we don't take the thing as a whole. We just zoom in on little chunks of it. That you're supposed to sit and meditate on this thing and let it shape you. It's not about reading it and regurgitating it, or reading it and putting it in practice, or mm-hmm. reading it and memorizing. Like all those things can be good, but they're not the whole picture. So when we say What Bible are you reading? It's like, well, we're actually not reading it the right way. And when we say like, it's it's it sounds so cliche. Our church teaches the Bible. Okay, what does that mean? Hmm. We don't even know what that means. You know, it 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 sounds good, but
0: using the Bible to support whatever topics you want to talk about on Sunday is not Mm -hmm. preaching the Bible. Ooh, yeah. Right, and and because I, I think about you know you might as well have one of those devotion books we probably all had when we were little like, you know God's words for the teen at heart or what I, I don't know <laughs> you've seen it all but like then you can go to the index and it's you know what to read when you're feeling lonely yeah you know tired, uh, bullied and then you go to that page and it's this list of scripture completely out of context that will make you feel better about the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, not how that we're it doesn't
1: to... have it's not that it doesn't have that function because it does right but that is. Only one of the things that it's supposed that, to be.
0: That's not why it exists. Yeah. Just for that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But but talking about like, what do we have the Bible for? That's actually a great question because what is it yeah. and how does it relate to? Because it isn't God yeah. and it isn't the spirit no. of God. And it no, isn't, it's it isn't inspired, the word of, Yes. Right. I and think. what so. does that even mean? And, and, <laughs> and also like the word of God is Christ. Yeah really not a collection of writings so how does that oh yeah and that, that's straight scripture right exactly. i mean even so yeah and the word was made flesh and and, and tabernacled with us yeah the way it puts yep. it in john
0: we have these we have scripture for a reason sure you know yep. and and now it is dependent on us using it in many ways and reading it and studying it and again to to kind of the points there's a way to read it not just to to read it for a feel good thing, because quite frankly, if you really read it, you're not going to feel good feel necessarily. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing that makes you feel good is that hope that we reference from from Romans, right? I mean, it's all this mess, but there is hope despite all of that mm-hmm. in 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 Christ, in the Word of God as Christ, right? So, um, I don't fully remember where I was there, but
1: <laughs> that's all right. Well, it, it's that thing of um. A life disconnected from the spirit is not a Christian life. But along Mm -hmm. with that is the people of God have always been people of the book, basically. And there's a a thing that happens in Exodus. Um, Israel comes out of Egypt and they're going into Canaan and they have this fight with the Amalekites where uh, these two guys have to hold up Moses' arms. And after that happens, God kind of nudges Moses and he says, hey, write this down as something to be remembered. Mm -hmm. And that's a good summation of what scripture is and does. And yeah, the way it develops after that is that if you are wise, you will read and ponder and meditate and chew and wrestle and discuss and, and respond to what is written here. And in yeah. so doing, God will use this to make you into the kind of person that he wants you to be.
0: Yeah, and, and it's all to point to his greatness. I mean, mm-hmm. you look through, read Genesis to Revelations today, if y'all will just sit down and read from Genesis <laughs> to Revelation, um, the whole thing. Yeah. But no, as you read through that, as you study Bible, and I would say that's the proper way to read is within context and to study the word. And um, there's different ways to do that, obviously, but but look at all of the references to do this, so they may know how great I am. Mm-hmm. Even that situation with with Moses, he doesn't look that great in there. You're having to hold up his arms, no. like. Yeah. But it's not about that, right? It's about how great God is. You referenced, you know, David and some of these earlier. If you truly read Scripture, they do not look like heroes. You know, it, we call them heroes terrible. of the faith, but they're horrible people. Yeah.
1: But and like David's story happens, ends terribly. <laughs> he goes off the rails and never comes back.
0: Mm-hmm. But. The reason, you know, that's all shown is because it's not about how great David was. Exactly. It was, it was never about David. I, there's a sermon out there. I think it's from Matt Channel, I'm not sure. Um, and I've just come across the clip where he's screaming at his congregation, like, you're not David. And we do, <laughs> oh, we yeah, have this like, that. yeah, this, this desire to be, you know, David or, or Paul or whoever. And it's like, you know, they're, they're really not that, that great of people. What's yeah. great about them is that God used them in ways that did not make sense. And so, it's a great way know, to put that,
1: actually. Yeah, Even I mean, it it's, didn't make sense. Yeah,
0: it's not about how great we are. You know, it's not about the situation we find ourselves in that can be used. But God's going to use us if He if He's going to use us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, quit trying to make yourself great in the process because that's not what it's about.
1: Well, and this weirdly ties into what we're talking about or what we've mm-hmm. been meandering around about. I guess. Oh yeah, is that this concern for? For the the pursuit and gratification of self that we're seeing in our society and this like reticence to to admit maybe there might be something wrong with how we're doing things. Maybe not every Mm -hmm. thought or desire that I have is good. Maybe not every thought that pops into my head belongs there and certainly shouldn't come out of my mouth. Maybe not every institution that we stamp the name of Christ on actually carries that name well, to quote Dr. Carmen Iams on it. Uh, <laughs> m- maybe maybe we need to slow down and, and say son of David have mercy on me a sinner and start there and allow God to rebuild our concept of what our self is supposed to be Well, that's a wrap on episode 21. Who knew that we would get to 21 episodes? We have plenty more ideas of things that we'd like to talk about and make sense of. But as always, we'd love to hear your feedback. If there's something that you've been wrestling with that you want to hear us talk about, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on social media, at unbetweenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram or at unbetweenpod on Twitter. Thank you for listening.